This is the beginning of the show. This is episode 30 of The Modern Recordist, the podcast where we sit down and talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact on the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, collector of experiences, lifelong learner, lifelong teacher, and artistic visionary in my own right. And I welcome you to episode 30 of The Modern Recordist and another edition of the 15-Minute Mixdown. These are the shorter 15-minute episodes where typically I run solo in the studio for a short bit. Sometimes switch it up. Today, we're switching it up a little bit. And JD's back with us after a little while. Hello. So JD's back, hanging out. This is awesome. Glad to have you back and, and hanging. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things, uh, I rant solo on uh, some mindset stuff or just kind of ways of, of being to um, foster creativity and better songwriting and stuff. But every once in a while, I like to uh, throw in some recording ideas and discussions and things like that. And so um, we've done one or two of those before. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember which particular episodes they were off the time I had. We can link that up in the show notes. But uh, we're doing them again. And uh, JD and I are going to rap about some recording stuff. So Sweet. awesome. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for checking it out, as usual. And uh, glad to be hanging, man. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I um, kind of went around. Well, we can get into this. I kind of went around uh, the internet a little bit and uh, found some things that people were asking about. But uh, before that, could, that, that could be scary. It can be scary, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I think uh, I think we'll ta- we'll try and tackle it and we'll see uh, we'll see what we we'll see what happens. But uh, what have you been up to, man? You've been, uh, you've been up to, there's been so much going on. I've been running around a lot. Uh, you've been super busy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Talk about what you've been working on lately. Well, I, um, was out of the country for a little bit, for like five weeks. And since I got back from there, that was, it's been pretty busy, which is great. Um, been doing a few projects, done, uh, a couple EPs and a full length and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I've kind of co-produced all of those things, engineered them all, and we'll be mixing them all. So it's a lot of a lot of work involved, but it's all been great. Really stretching my skill set, and uh, and then a few other little things here and there. Um, you know, a little like uh, did a couple tunes with one dude, and then. Uh, some one-off things here and there. So, yeah, just trying to stay busy yeah. and doing a bunch of stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe once we get some more of these things a little more finalized, I can kind of name drop who some of sure. those things are and put them out there to for people to check them out. Cool. So, yeah, when you start, when, when things get a little bit more further down the road, it'd be awesome to yeah. have you back on, talk yeah. about it more, get more specific about it. Um Maybe even have some of those folks that you're working with on the show be, be fun. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll talk about that and make that happen. Um, cool, man. That sounds really fun, and um, it sounds like 
you know, you've been keeping yourself busy and having Absolutely. a good time and, yeah. um, which is always, which is always a good thing, man, yeah. to be a, you know, stay busy, stay working Absolutely. in the industry. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about, you know, I think there's an opportunity to talk about, you, you know, I think there's a way to kind of like talk about this without having to get like too specific or whatever, but, yeah. um, you know, in the studio, making, making records, it's, it's an effort in problem solving. You know, it's always, you know, it's funny because when I was, it was funny, it's kind of it, almost very applicable to today when I showed up and you and I, um, one of the, you were kind of walking around saying, uh, there's always a workaround. Oh, that's my kind motto. Kind of like uh, joking about the situation because there were uh, a, kind of a work, some problem solving this morning that, yes. that had to, <laughs> that had to happen. But, um, uh, it'd be fun to talk about for a minute if something comes to mind. You know, um, in in the midst of the last matter of weeks, you've been working on these projects and things, a particular challenge or something that came up, whether it could be creatively or like an engineering challenge or something like that, that came up, um, your process for working through that and uh, kind of, you know, what the, uh, um, your, your, your sort of general approach when it comes to that kind of stuff, um, you know, a a technical or creative challenge that you came up against and yeah. how you solved that problem? Huh. That's a, uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause I feel like that's like, that's just kind of a day to day thing in general is especially doing something artistic and creative. Uh, I feel like day to day, that's just figuring out a workaround for anything you're approaching mm -hmm. um, to, to make it, make things sound like you want or feel like you want or um, deal with an artist or somebody you're working with in the way that you kind of need to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I don't know. There, there's not any one thing that kind of comes to mind, but I guess um, for me, it's just trying to maintain the, that attitude of there's always a workaround. Cause that's, um to me like it's it's not giving up it's like mm -hmm. they're like it's like well okay this is like this isn't working mm -hmm. or maybe this right off the bat isn't working um or we don't even have the capabilities to do it mm -hmm. so let's be creative in in some other way um and uh i don't know i mean <laughs> now that i'm saying that I, even something as simple as uh I was doing a tune recently and it was like this uh kind of had this like spaghetti western mm -hmm. feel to it. It was mm -hmm. kind of a, a like a rocking tune, but they wanted like this kind of spaghetti western mm -hmm. feel to it and um they wanted like one of those whip sounds. Uh-huh. And I don't I mean, if I can, I I don't I don't like using samples yeah. of, of like pre-recorded things. Mm -hmm. I like to do as much of it as I can. And so just that moment of like, okay, cool. They want this. How, how am I going to do this? And immediately just like walking around the studio looking for things that I know. Oh, hey. What's up? Oh, hey, dude. Are you guys doing a talk show or something? Yeah, yeah. We're oh, doing a little oh, talk sorry. show. <laughs> it's all good. I'm my keys in case you need to move my car. Okay, cool, man. Um, cool. Here? I'm sorry? Do like a second put these? Oh, just hang them right on the, where the mic cables are. Awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, dude. Cool, dude. Have a good tour. Good to see you. Cool. Uh, it's a it's a um, 
it's an active place over oh, here live, at, yeah. at, at Glass Onion. So I, I figured somebody might come in, and that was cool. I it's all good. So um, yeah. yeah, there was um, there was a, a touring band. Uh, I don't care. Do you, do you care about yeah. name dropping that? Kopecky. Okay, so Kopecky. Check them out. Um, yeah, check those dudes out. They're killer. Um, a lot of those dudes come and hang out over here, do some work. Um, JD works with Marcus a lot on a lot of productions. And uh, so uh, sometimes they uh, they have some stuff over. There's like a lot of gear uh, borrowing and stuff, people helping each <laughs> other out in the and backyard. stuff. So yeah, so um, yeah, there's a little bit of a, these guys are going out on the road today. And uh, anyway, it's been active over here this morning. Well, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good times. Yeah. But so you were talking about the Spaghetti Western thing and yeah. you were like, so uh yeah, just, you know, immediately walking around the studio thinking about, like, <clears throat> what is it that I can make this sound with? And just, like, I don't know. I mean, thinking about that, like, what makes a whip sound? Mm-hmm. And just figuring it out on the fly, which ended up being uh, a piece of paper from a legal pad. And I just smacked it with a drumstick. Um, huh, cool. Uh, and I ran that through um, a reverb guitar pedal. Uh which was great, and it worked perfectly. Cool. You'll hear it sometime soon. And That's awesome. So okay, so you even think it was a piece of paper. You're, they're going. It's like we need a whip sound, and yeah. you're and you, so you're walking around. And you're going, how am I going to get a whip sound? You're like thinking through ideas, and so there was a trial and error process, or or how did you? No, it's actually the first thing I thought of. Okay. I just, uh, it's funny because the the artist was in the other room, kind of finishing up some lyrics, and so it was me and me and Marcus and. Uh, and yeah, we you know we just thought let's let's put a whip sound here. So I immediately started walking around, and the first thing I thought of was, well, I mean, I can just smack a piece of paper. So let's mm-hmm. just see if this works. Yeah. And then routed the microphone through. Uh, I mean, it was this my it was SM7 um, through a, a reverb pedal and uh, completely like completely mixed the reverb full on it. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, fully wet and yeah, it sounded really killer. Cool, man. Sounded exactly like I wanted it to sound. Cool. Cool. So I don't know. Just, I mean, like, that's just, that's something easy though. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, there's other times that, you know, uh, I mean, this was like a, over a year ago, but there was one time a, a band came in and, um, they wanted to use their electric piano and it only had like an eighth inch headphone jack on it. It didn't have like mm-hmm. a quarter inch out or anything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily I have experience working as a tech. So I was just like, give me 10 minutes. And so I went into the next room and just soldered up a cable that was eighth inch to yeah. uh, two quarter inch and just ran those and so you know, for me, I was. That's what I told him. I was like, "There's always a workaround. Yeah. This is the workaround. I just have to take ten minutes and make a cable, and we'll be on our way." Yeah. Instead of being like, "Well, I don't have any eighth inch cables, so we got to figure out something else." Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So I don't know. I mean, building your skill set to just be able to like, uh, be able, or or even just having the attitude of like, well, whatever comes my way, we can find a solution, mm-hmm. and like a professional one at that. Yeah. Um. It's a process of sort of like getting out of your own way in a sense. It's it's really it's interesting because like I can just I can I can kind of reflect back on sort of my um um just life as I you know 
went from kind of being a hobbyist, interested to a professional, to growing as a professional, to um, getting into other situations and, and, you know, continuing to develop my skills and, and, and things. And I can kind of like reflect back on my process for that of like, it's a, it's kind of the process of gradually getting out of your own way because, you know, I can remember being in high school as a hobbyist, learning how to record, reading about it, kind of in college, taking some classes, learning more formally, reading out of textbooks and formulating these ideas and, um, sort of, uh, kind of like rules or whatever, like this is how it is and like things that structures and and things or whatever. And then getting into it more professionally, starting my first internship and and starting to work my way into it professionally and hanging out with people actually like, you know, booked clients, uh, people who are professional engineers or whatever at a studio in the room and watching how they do it and realizing you know, there's a, I think there's like, you know, an aspect of like, kind of like, oh, you know, forget everything you know, in yeah. a way sometimes, because like, you learn out of a textbook, it's supposed to be this way. And oh, then absolutely. professionals are like, oh, it's not going to work out that way. And I'll tell you what is going to happen is at the end of the day, we're going to have XYZ recorded, and it's not going to work this way. So do it this way. And yeah, yeah but the but the phase, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear about phase. I want to hear about a, a, a track that's recorded. Yeah, Let's do it. It's interesting. Know? So many, there's like so many more people that I've been talking to that are, um, and I, I try to like keep this stuff in mind. And it doesn't mean that you, you, you don't have to work at being a good engineer, because I think that's really important. Um, but I think some of that just kind of comes along with your ear and developing your ear. But so many people I, I've been talking to don't necessarily worry about the engineering side of things. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's be creative. Let's right. Let's ha- let's let's get a good tune. Let's 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 capture this song the best way it can be captured. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how it sounds necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like a good song is going to represent its itself. But then right. if you have if you have a good engineer with a good ear, that just that helps and it's going right. to be so much better. But like. Not to say don't don't worry about engineering because it's I mean if you have a, a terrible sounding like absolutely terrible sounding song that's going to distract from the yeah. song but for all intents and purposes you know uh, focusing more on the creativity and not necessarily like to me there was there's too many like you know I went to MTSU and went through the recording program there great program um, but I feel like you know that like the the classes you take there they can't teach creativity mm-hmm. they they teach you they can they can encourage that but nobody can teach you how to like think for yourself in mm-hmm. a way so like they teach you this cookie cutter way this textbook way of doing things and i feel like i see a lot of people that get stuck in that mm-hmm. like stuck in like you know, well, this this instrument is like this is this instrument, so I need to like I need to cut these frequencies and like you know compress it this way and just have this like formula because that's just what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, that's like that's that's a jumping off point. That's mm-hmm. like right. well, just start there, right? But you don't have to follow that formula, right? I mean, right. it's is whatever sounds the best to. 
make it the coolest, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about paying attention to context and having good active listening conversations with a person about what are we trying to actually achieve? What are we trying to speak across and all that? And like the engineering is just kind of an extension of sort of like, because a lot of times, you know, the engineering can be, there's like these technical standards and best practices, but then, but really, you know, engineering is like capturing the essence of the creativity and it's an extension of it. Like, you think about like uh, what's popping into my head right now is the, is is um like the strokes when the strokes came out and it was this kind of this era of time when sort of it, things were kind of like this sort of lo-fi ish mm-hmm. kind of era in music recording and so people were you, when you listen to it it's like you can call it lo-fi it's like a lo-fi sonically a style but at the same mm-hmm. time you go but it's high quality right oh, yeah, yeah. and then and then like you know they put a lot of distortion on the lead vocal and that's a artistic statement made through yeah. engineering practices yeah. you know what i mean so right. it's kind of like that there's like best practices you know um to hit a certain mark of quality and 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 to have sort of this baseline but right. you know it's every i don't think there's one single project i've ever been involved in where those rules weren't broken oh, somewhere yeah, along the way here or there you know and things were done wrong like oh there's like you know there's the the drums sound thin well yeah because we're specifically trying to get that this like artistic sort of statement in that sonically doing that right Right, it doesn't mean that like you want to just apply like um like block party the band block party the drums aren't like the drums the drums are awesome i love those drums i love the sound on that first record they did and you know but that's not you couldn't just blindly apply that drum sound to every record because then it's going to sound out of context and you know yeah so i think that's kind of my take on what you're saying and right yeah I, I I don't know. I think that's like that's why people, because you know, especially being in this town, there's, I mean, I can't like I, I can't even think of a number to throw out of how many people, you know, have a you know a recording rig or call themselves an engineer or producer or whatever. But to me, that's that's why that's why there's gonna there's always gonna be businesses for there's always gonna be business for engineers and producers it's going to be the ones that are the ones that are thinking outside those boxes mm-hmm. and being creative and not thinking in that cookie cutter way but sometimes those cookie cutter ways are are in a weird way every now and then those cookie cutter ways are like the thing that's like the outside of the box thing mm-hmm. um sometimes you think too much about trying to make something sound a certain way it's like well let's not overthink this yeah Let's yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. Cool. So I don't know. Cool. So um, yeah, that's great, man. Um, I, there's you know I had some like I said I kind of went around the internet. We can probably get into some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, um, uh, it's funny I mentioned like low end on a on a low end drums or whatever because I, I went around and I found a few questions that had yeah. to do with with the low end. Um, and so this is like probably one of the. You know, I would say like when it comes to people who are when you go around and you and you you look around and like the kinds of things people are talking about online in this space and like the engineering space, it's it's I think the I think people perhaps the most asked about questions have to do with 
compression, dynamic compression, and uh, and like controlling low end or making low end sound good in a mix or whatever, you right. know. And um, so this topic is probably one of those things you just go on and on and on forever. Right. But I found a few things, you know, and I thought, um, and it, there's a lot of places where you can get this question answered or whatever, and you can find a lot of great advice out there. You can find bad stuff too or whatever but but this is the only place you can find our advice this is the only place you can find our <laughs> advice and you know i think it's good like it's a good setup what we just talked about it's about you know context and thinking sort of like fluidly and having um engineering be an extension of the creativity creativity first songwriting the song first and all that and then the engineering stuff uh, kind of be an extension of it's like sort of this extension of the artistic choice and these embellishments and stuff. Right. Uh, so it's a good context uh, or a good kind of pre setup to to saying that like it's all about context. Right. And then um, and then we can get into some specifics. So people can kind of have some takeaways. So like here's a question I found. Um, let's see. Um. There's a like people often are asking um, about kick drums and bass guitar on the low end, you know. Um, yeah. So and then like how to make them play nicely together. Yeah. You know. Um, so there's you know recording. There's like two sides of like kind of like your low end recording. Getting a let's say like getting a good kick drum sound. Let's just start there. Getting a good kick drum sound. Then you can also talk about getting a good bass sound and like recording. You know those how you might approach that. Then you can talk about uh, making them them work well together. And then you can even just talk about just the overall like low end of your mix in general. Right. Doing that. So let's start start at the kick drum thing. And like, how do you approach pulling together a good kick drum sound when um, when you start, you know, when you're setting up to record and stuff, yeah. Let's say you, you know, maybe recap what we what we had talked about with talking with people and setting yeah. up a conversation. I don't want to answer the question for you, but no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it differs from project to project mm-hmm. based on how I tend to mic a kick drum. Um, I don't know. There, there. I mean, like once again, it's like there's everybody has their different methods. I see a lot of people putting you know, like an inside kick mic and then like an outside, whether it's like a FET 47 or like a sub kick or a ribbon or something outside the kick to get that extra low end. But like, uh, um, I don't know. I tend to always go with one mic on Mm -hmm. the kick. Uh, Mm -hmm. I used to hate the D112, but I use it all the time now. Okay. Uh, What changed for you there? Um... I don't know. I think I just like. I think I had been using that Beta Fifty Two, and then I I did a project where I was using an SM Seven on the kick, and it was like, the project I worked on it, it was perfect for that, but it was just like it was pretty floppy, mm-hmm. and so I just uh, I've just been trying to get a lot more like punchier of a kick. Mm-hmm. Um. With like a nice solid low end to it mm-hmm. that you can like feel nicely and it doesn't sound like muddy or um, just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think I just was thinking, I, I think I just one day was like, well, 
I have this D112, so many people use it. And maybe that maybe that goes back to the, like the cookie cutter thing. Sometimes the like the textbook way is that the out of the box way. I don't mm-hmm. know because for me well, that for me that was out of the box. And like yeah. you know, like so many people use the D112 on a kick. Yeah. And so for me, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be overthinking this. Yeah. And so I just started experimenting with with the D112. And as of right now, if there's if there's like a you know a hole in the kick drum head. Like the front of it, I just stick it inside and kind of do that whole sigh and dance mm-hmm. of like kind of point like you know off center a little bit, but kind of pointing at the beater a little bit. And uh, <clears throat> that the last project I did, I got probably like the punchiest uh, kick that I've gotten in a long cool. time. That I've like I really dig it. Cool. Um, so so that's where so like with starting. So when you're thinking about pulling a good kick drum sound together you're you you tend to go for just a single mic do that the single mic on the kick drum approach yeah and then and then it's it's about my choice for you it's like that's like pretty much the yeah that's the starting ingredients yeah and then like i mean because like that was for like a little bit more of like a well i say rocking thing it was kind of like a t-rex inspired vibe um but uh, I don't know. I worked on another record recently that was a little bit more like kind of uh, Americana y. And that drummer didn't have a, he didn't have a hole in his kick head. And I just took a SM7 and put it like in front of the kick drum, like right in the middle of the head. Mm-hmm. And that was great. I love the way that kick sounds. It's like, it's round but kind of floppy, and mm-hmm. it was like perfect for that project. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on the project. But yeah, more it's recent- about the context of the project. Yeah, the yeah. context of the yeah. project. But more recently, I've been going for the D112, and I don't, I don't know why, but I, I'm starting to like cool fall back in love with it. Uh, not to say there's there aren't other mics that I would love to kind of check out on Kick, but. Um, as of right now, it, it works. But uh, yeah, so so then from there, I kind of, uh, I don't know, from there with a kick, it's it's a little bit about gating for me. Okay. Um, gating and, and the right compression uh, to where I can get like a good, um, you know, just a good solid kick at like every hit. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll go in and I'll like, I don't, I don't like, uh, using samples. I don't like using pre-recorded samples. Mm-hmm. Every project I work on, I, I get samples from the kit that I'm using on that mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, a, I'm a, I, like, for those who are listening, I'm a drummer and I'm, I'm very particular about my drum sounds. Mm-hmm. So like when it comes to drums, I, I work very hard at those. Um, so that's why I'm being so, I guess, maybe detailed about the drums. Um, but uh, <clears throat> where where was I? Um, so, yeah, you were um, talking about, you know, you get the mic choice, placement, all yeah, that kind of so stuff. Then, and so then, oh, the... The, the, the compression. The, repla- the sound replacement. Oh, okay, right, um, yeah. Samples. Uh, I always I always try to get samples from the session that yeah. I'm using. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, every now and then I'll if if I want that 
drum, if I want to be able to have that kick drum and I can have like more control over manipulating the sound of it, I'll take the kick sample I have from that session and, you know, kind of replace it um, with like the Slate Digital trigger mm-hmm. plug-in mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll mix it a certain amount. Yeah, so you're not actually, like, you're not, you're not replacing it. You're, 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 you're blending in right, right. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to have a little bit more control over it. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, to me, it's kind of shaping EQ from there. Like, I mean, I, I know like a lot of, like a lot of it is dipping out kind of those around the 500 area on a kick. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the low end, I've been finding myself so much more and more like fighting with the low end of a kick drum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been I, like more so recently just have been really fighting. Like, I don't know. There, there's kind of the, how I hear how I want the kick drum to sound and kind of where I'm at with it. And so I'm just, I just have been trying to work really hard to get where I really fine tune my kick sounds to get where I want those mm-hmm. kicks to sound like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I use the pull tech EQ a lot on the kick drum, uh, and boost the, the 60 Hertz on it. It sounds nice. It's a, it's a plugin though. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the UAD Pultec plug-in. Um, and uh, the API EQs sound great on a, on a kick. Also a plug-in. Also a plug-in. Yeah. I just yeah. want to, you know, just to specify, it's like, right. you know, not I do, the hardware versions. Yeah, but. I do have one of the hardware versions, but I I mean, the, the plug-in sounds so good, I just don't really use the hardware version much anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, and... Recently, I've been using the uh, um, the UAD SPL transient designer on the cool. kick, and that thing gets that. You can get it so like a kick drum so tight and punchy cool. with that thing. It's really cool. Um, but other than that, uh, from there, like man, the like especially with the kick and bass, the 100 hertz area for me is like where I fight so much okay um just getting getting clarity out of the kick drum but Mm -hmm. also having uh that nice low like 60 hertz like like feeling to it Mm -hmm. um without it sounding muddy and so for me it's like for me it's around the 100 hertz area where it starts sounding where the where the kick drum starts sounding like I don't know if like muddy is the right word. It just sounds like too like too round. It doesn't sound tight and punchy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I fight with that quite a bit, trying to like get that just carved out right. Cool. And same with the same with the bass. Um, yeah, that's great. You're already kind of like getting into. There was another kind of like you know I already kind of laid out a bunch of the questions that I found, but you know people were talking about um, you know getting some good bass sounds pulled together and getting the kick drum and the bass to work well together. I mean, you know, that's, I, that, that's such a, that's such a um, common question. I just, I remember so much of when I was learning and going through school, um, some, there was always so much discussion around that. And even, um, even just 
when I first started working professionally and as an assistant engineer, like intern and then an assistant and all that. And there was even amongst in the room with professional engineers that have been doing it for decades, a lot of discussion talk about that stuff too. So it's a great topic that could probably be discussed at the end of time. But yeah, anyway, that's kind of another part seems like kind of transitioning into that. I think that that's like, I mean, everybody has a, like, it's, it's a never ending topic because I mean, there's so many ways you, you can go. I mean, well, there's different ways you can go about it, and everybody has their own method. But I think at the end of the day, like, you have to develop your ear and trust your ear mm-hmm. and use whatever method works best for, like, how you hear the song, like, to sound, like, mm-hmm. how you want it to sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are going to hire you for for your decisions, like, what you, how you get the result that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so developing developing your method that sounds best to your ear, whether it's you know, whether you, whether you just don't pay attention to the the bass and the kick playing together or whether or not you're like the type of person that always like ducks the bass to the kick and carves out all these frequencies. I mean like there's there's so many ways you can go about it. Um I've been I've been messing recently with um compressors both on like after after everything all the plugins on my on my tracks at the very the very last plugin I'll put on for um, my my drum bus and my bass bus I'll put the same compressor on there and uh, there's just like there's like these certain attack and release ratios that I'll I'll put on there and on the bass I end up doubling the release then that what then like what's on the the drum bus and for me it, it kind of like I don't really duck the bass to the kick at all mm-hmm. unless it like unless I mean I have mm-hmm. um if I if I hear that it calls for it but so far, like the project, I, like the projects I've been working on recently, like it feels really good to do that. Mm-hmm. Like the like the the two compressors, and kind of have them playing just a little bit different. Like releasing the compressors releasing a little bit different than from each other. And I just dip like I just have like a dB of gain reduction on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's not it's not drastically changing the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but just when they hit, they they have like. They're both being released, like the the release time on them is just different to where they kind of have like different room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is so like, are you talking about you're talking about one for uh, one compressor that is on kick drum stuff and one compressor that's on bass stuff, or actually they both? Uh, the one compressor is on like the whole drum bus, okay, and then the other is on. The bass, okay. Whether it's a bass bus or just like a bass track, yeah. Like however. So the one, tracks. so you're not talking about a compressor that is handling both drums and bass together, right? Okay. Correct. Cool. Yes, yeah, two separate compressors, okay. one on each, like one on a drum bus, one on your bass okay. bus. Yeah, and uh, kind of like a like a medium attack, and uh, and like I guess a little bit like. Kind of like a medium slow release, but um, I don't know. They're like, well, I, I use that. Uh, I don't know. It, it was just something I picked up from a guy I was kind of like mixing some stuff with, and 
um, he kind of made the suggestion to do it, and I, I dug it. Um, and I use that, the Waves R compressor to do it. And so, um, yeah, just like there's there's a certain just like attack and release like numbers that you can kind of type in there that just kind of, and then doubling the release on on the bass bus, and they just, the way they interact mm-hmm. is just, I don't know. It's, but at the end of the day, it's just like experiment with it, yeah. you know? Right. Whatever works for you. Um, and really always be paying attention to the context of yeah. like what's happening in context with the song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, like, I don't know, some, like, bass, for me, bass is just like, it's, it's definitely like a beast. Like it's definitely something. I mean, maybe some people listening are like, "Man, I've never had a problem with bass." Like, mm-hmm. I yeah, own but that. that but certainly, there's a, there's people who are listening. There's like bass isn't. That's not what I have a problem with. But certainly, there's a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, I've got." I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that's the yeah. nature of such but a broad. Honestly, thing. too, man. Speakers, whatever speakers you're working on. Like, okay, cool. That was yeah. That's like, I mean. You have to like real like to like really fine tune bass. Like you have to really know the room that you're in. Right. That was the really last. Really know the speakers. That's how I was gonna wrap up this show. So cool. You're you you're like oh, read your you're, mind. You're a step ahead. Like so it's cool. Let me just ask. <laughs> That's this what question. I have to do as a producer. Yeah, you know? I know, Be man. A step ahead. So since you set that up, let me ask you this question. Um, when it when when it's you know dealing with so you. We've done some recorded some kick drum. We've co- recorded some bass. We've dealt with that process, and you know now we're mixing a song and we're thinking about just the the low end of the mix. Yeah, you know, and dealing with the low end of your mix, and then even I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about like you just said how the listening environment in the room that you're in plays a part in that. So maybe if you want to discuss that, how you deal with mixing and dealing with it in your mix and some of your practices, one or two things that you've found that worked for you. And then look, you've been, uh, very, uh, you, you built this place out. You, you were very, you know, guys, you worked with some professionals to build this place out and help mm-hmm. design it and all that stuff. So you've got some experience there as it, as it, as it relates to, uh, dialing in acoustics of a room, dialing in the acoustics of a listening environment to make sure that it's not skewing what you hear. Right. Right. So if you want to talk about your experience and that and how you've dealt with those, those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's been a crazy learning process cause I used to have my control room set up differently than it is now. And I just, I know where, uh, I guess I know where like different sweet spots are in my, room and I, like that's what you need to do like if you have a place that you're mixing on a regular basis like you need to figure that room out mm-hmm. um and so i the the low end response in my room is interesting um for my, for my ears like in my mixing so i like i interesting I just, what what do you what does uh, that word mean well, like for me to like really feel the bass, I have to like sit in the back of the room. Okay. Um, and so when I'm when I'm up where I'm mixing, I I uh, sometimes can't hear the low end like I can in the back of the room, mm-hmm. which makes sense. But um, just with how you know like uh, low end waveforms work, but uh, I don't know. I I 
um, I just I try to move around and and listen, and even listen to like comparable music of what I'm mixing, and see how the how the frequencies respond in the room, and then keep that in mind while I'm while I'm mixing. You do some reference mixes. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Like, but I but then like I I also have like gotten to know my room really well, mm-hmm. um, to where I I can sit you know, where I normally sit and, and kind of have an idea yeah. of how the low end's going to sound. Because, uh, right. like, it's a smaller room, smaller, not not tiny, but, like, it's a smaller room, uh, and I don't have a subwoofer, and the I'm using KRKV8s, which, like, that's an 8-inch woofer. But I think, I, I, I'm not really completely familiar on the specs, but I think they go down to, like, 30 hertz maybe. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, so I mean, like the low, like it's just not going to produce like a crazy low end. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, depending on the mix or whatever, like sometimes I'm I'm looking to like be able to feel some thirty hertz. But mm-hmm. you know, if I if the speakers aren't really even able to produce it, you, like I also usually on my like mix bus, I'll put up uh, kind of like a frequency analyzer mm-hmm. and. Uh, like sometimes I'll play some mixes through that and and just kind of like see what that kind of looks like visually and uh, just especially with the like really low frequencies I'll just try to like if I can't hear them I just try to like <laughs> match it visually in mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. um, so I don't know low, like low end is just low end can be really tricky I mean it, it's like really easy for it to like build up and your mixes are really bass heavy and or all of a sudden you're too cautious about it and your mixes have no low end. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like usually the the no low end thing happens more often. People are like too cautious about low end and cut maybe cut too much of it. Mm. But cool. So is there any is there anything you did uh, when you're building the room to um, kind of do some low end management? <laughs> Honestly, no. Yeah. At that point, uh, I don't know. At that point, I like it was just such a whirlwind getting this place together. I, I kind of trusted the the contractor. Yeah. And uh, and then from there, it was like, I don't know. That was something we never really talked about. So, and so yeah, and so then like in the spirit of there's always a workaround. The workaround for that is cool. I'm aware. I, I'm getting myself. I'm familiar with what the response of the of the low end of the room is. I'm familiar right. when, when I listen from here. It's this. When I listen from this other place, it's this other thing. And reference mixing and and working in the room a lot and getting familiar with it and knowing. Okay, cool. I I know. Like I'm familiar, and I know right. how to make decisions, inform decisions, right. and stuff. Yeah. So, cool. And yeah, and then like for me, for me, like I do like pretty much all my projects I do out of here. So I know how I know how the room sounds when I'm recording in it. Like this room and the ISO room, I know how those sound. So usually when it comes to like if I'm if I'm recording and mixing here, I just kind of know from start to finish how I need to treat things Mm -hmm. like in, in, in the box, Mm -hmm. like, uh, in pro tools. Yeah. Like what, like, yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you've, you're familiar with, and that was the, that was the goal for 
um, that was the goal for this studio space was for it to be a tool that you used in your engineering work for you that was your home base yeah. that you could be familiar with. So um, it's more of, you know, it's a tool that you utilize for your engineering work first and foremost before it's a studio for hire type of situation. Right. You know, right. so knowing that, you know, you're able to make a certain amount of decisions and know that uh, that you're going to be working in here enough times you know, spending a lot of hours in here, this being your primary place yeah. that you're going to be able to have to get familiar with it to the degree that like, I know how to approach recording a kick drum in this room. I know how to approach mixing a kick drum in, uh, you know, when it comes time to mix it or whatever and what the environment, the factors that the environment play on it. So the point, I guess really the takeaway, the point is, you know, um, the, have a space like that you know it, it whether that's just like this happens to be a studio that's well built out you know um there's a lot of environments there's a lot of places like you know that we end up having to work that i end up working in a lot that are just like well this is the space like i work out of here enough and you know and then i float around and do some other things and you know i used to work before i came over here and moved all my gear over here I had, you know, it was the barn studio that I yeah. had, which was not a studio. It was a barn, you know, but it was the same thing. Is it's like, well, this is where I'm going to be doing my work, most of my work. And so just to get familiar with it. And that's the takeaway, I think. Like if right. you're working in a place that's like just your basement and it's like, well, this is not, there is no ideal recording space on the face of the earth. Like there's no space on the planet that's like, oh, this is perfect. There's always limitations in it. And so it's right. just, uh, it's just, that's the takeaway I think is yeah. like getting familiar with the environment and knowing like, oh yeah, the, you know, the low end, there's a low end buildup, but I know that that's not actually what's happening. I'm aware right. of it. And so if I, if I, if I deal with that in this way, then I know it's going to, it's going to, the end result is going to be what I'm going for. Right. You know, or it right. could be the, the reverse. It sounds like there's no low end here. And so, you know, but really there's a lot more low end than, than I realize. you know, so I think right. that's the takeaway is just knowing, you know, knowing your space and, and yeah, paying which attention I don't know to how it. much, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much people, I mean, like, I think the people that know to do that, do that, but like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that might be something that's like looked over. Is oh like, yeah. That's why, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Like, I, I think sh it's I a, should take a day or two and like, just sit down listen to stuff and like get to know my room. Yeah. So so yeah, when you are, uh, if you're going to give somebody advice on, uh, on that, yeah. like get to know your room and understand that the room may not be representing. Yeah. Like might no not be room really you, does. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like, you know, a half a million dollar room that somebody built out and it's like, you have, you know, $30,000 worth of speakers. And I mean, but even then it's like, sometimes that sounds too good. Yeah. You, you right. Know. It's just going to, there's always going to be a gap somehow, you know yeah. what I mean? In some place, some form or fashion or whatever, no, no space is totally perfect. Um, so what's your advice to somebody when, when you say, Hey, be aware of this, that the space that you are working in is not accurately representing what you, what you hear and what the end result is going to be. And what would be your advice for somebody to get more familiar 
what, what, what's like one or two things somebody can do to get more familiar with their space so that they know what, what's happening, how the, how the space is, is skewing what they hear. You know what I mean? Do you follow my question? Yeah. I would, cool. I would listen to, I would listen to music where you're most comfortable. Like, um, like wherever you listen to music the most, most people, it's like their car. So listen to some music there that you, that you know, and like think about how it sounds and then take that music and listen in your mixing environment and see how it changed, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and then keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So having a couple of, a couple of reference albums around like your favorite band, the, 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 the thing that you've listened to, you know, 10, 20 times as much as any other album out there, use that and that's your go-to and use it as a reference and, you know, go listen to it in your car or somewhere that you listen to it so that, so that you, you're just paying attention to that and getting familiar with that process, you know, kind of making a mental snapshot, as it were, of, of the way this sounds and then put that in your studio space and listen there and just take note or, you know, mental notes, yeah. whatever, and compare and just there's your, there's sort of your um, general guideline is to know oh yeah i take note my too much low end or not enough low end in this room in general is a default also speaker placement too like how far you're sitting from your speakers how far they are apart like are they up against like a you know plaster wall or whatever like Mm -hmm. you know whatever um i don't know just taking the time to like educate yourself on like like i guess referencing your room but then like figuring out okay like okay when i listen in my environment, this record that I feel like when I'm driving around has like some really kicking bass is like not there anymore or it's like exaggerated, then taking the time to like figure out, well, am I listening in the best part of the room or like do I need to like move my speakers around or even just taking the time to like figure out how to like, you know, make some baffles to hang on the wall, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't even have to have like wooden frames to put them in. Just like mm-hmm. cover some some like rock wool and fabric, and just like pin it up on the wall or something, you mm-hmm. know. Because um, yeah, sound treatment helps so much. But like, don't just do it blindly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, educate yourself whether like on on the internet, YouTube. I mean, you or by listening to this podcast, or by listening to this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, like, I'm not talking about, I'm not diving into room acoustics right now. That's, whew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, YouTube, like, YouTube, the internet, there's so much, there's, like, this podcast, so many helpful resources. Um, but, I guess, like, I, I guess right now I'm, I'm more so talking room acoustics. Um, just on how to get your room, like, sounding okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's too many times I see people. I know I'm like kind of continuing to ramble. There's too many times I like see people's mixing environments, and it's like a bedroom with like nothing on the walls, Mm -hmm. and their speakers are like, you know, two feet in front of them, and like a foot apart, Mm -hmm. or like just enough apart, like on the side of their computer screens, and like sometimes they're like their their tweeters are like chin level or. Mm Or they're like way up high, yeah. or they're like right up against the wall, or something. Yeah. And it's just, it's just. I mean, maybe they they've figured out ways to like 
like they know that they know that scenario mm-hmm. like that makes sense to them they know how the music sounds in that environment and so they can get good mixes like that because they know they know their mixing environment but just taking the time to like educate yourself on like proper speaker placement proper wall treatment uh and and reference mixing. Yeah. So I think that the, when it comes to like speaker placement and stuff, and we were talking about um, before, like kind of setting up, oh, there's these rules or that rules or these rules or that rule. So like, you know, there's certain kind of, um, there's certain acoustical laws of physics that kind of put things in the most primary target point. There's, you know, or whether it's like electrical engineering and and there's certain things in that regard that maybe it makes sense in terms of you know phase accuracy of an electronic system or whatever um and so when it comes to things it's it's really a matter of being aware of it and then going oh you know there's this optimal zone and i'm not inside that optimal zone and that's what i'm dealing with and so that's skewing it in this way and here's how i'll deal with it either i'll correct it or you know correcting it isn't an option so i'm going to educate myself into how and by educate yourself we just mean you know listen to mixes the, the reference mix tactic that we that we explained and then going oh this is how it's being altered in my in my environment and so now i know that b- there's this skewing going on and i know how to make i know how to compensate for yeah. that and make certain decisions maybe yeah. you do have the wherewithal to do some kind of you know moving equipment around in a room or choosing a different room or do or building something that would help with some acoustic stuff um but at the end of the day, like we said, no room is perfect. And, um, and you know, if it's like, oh, my, my speakers aren't in the optimal place and that's just what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, I don't really have another way to, 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 you know, move these speakers in a more optimal way. Right. But at least now you're aware of, oh, it's not optimum and this is how that affects things. And so, cool, now I have a picture. I'm aware. You made yourself right. aware. Yeah, yeah, I guess just making yourself aware of that stuff and, like, just all that stuff and, and finding like the best way you can, I guess like what I'm kind of thinking of, it's like, it's like you're familiar with your house that you live in. So you turn the lights out and like you can get around your house because you can like, you kind of know the layout of it or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's like proper speaker placement, proper like treatment on the walls and taking the time to like figure out how your room works it's like turning on the lights and it's like oh okay i see like i can i can move freely cuz i can like i can see everything and i know how everything's working and whatever and it's like yeah you can get around your house in the dark but maybe you're working maybe unbeknownst to you you're working a little harder than you really mm-hmm. need to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. just turn the lights on right cool nice analogy <laughs> awesome it's um it's we're about an hour in so we'll wrap it up um it's is there any minutes. Huh? Yeah, it's it's been fifteen minutes times four. Yeah. Um, so um, where is is there is there a place any kind of particular thing that you want to promote these days? Uh, I mean, just follow the studio on Instagram cool. and Facebook. Cool. Uh, Glass Onion Recording on both Instagram and Facebook. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I try um, to keep it updated. You know. Sweet. With, Fun little things going on around the studio. Awesome. And by fun little things, I mean projects. Yeah. So there's cool... And um, pictures of people singing into microphones. Yeah, there's stuff. cool vibey pictures. <laughs> and uh, you can you can scope out what uh, what JD's been up to. 
and um, you can creep on my on my kick drum techniques. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can creep on his kick drum techniques, and uh, if you want to get in touch, you can send a message through the Facebook page. Yeah, or uh, John D Tyner at gmail dot com. Cool. Tyner, so if you're T I N E R. Sweet. So if you want to reach out, get John in touch. John with an H. Yeah, John with an he's John with an H. I'm John with no H. So That's how right. confusing can we get there? Um, or jdtiner.com. Cool. That's my website. Cool. All right. So jdtiner.com, Tyner at gmail. Yes. That's how you can get in touch. And then check out the Glass Onion Recording Instagram, Glass Onion Recording Facebook page. It's a cool studio here, the home of the modern recordist, the studio I do a lot of my work out of, the studio that I do most of these uh, podcast sessions out of. And um, I got some gear over here, and JD's got some great vibe of gear. So there's a it's a nice selection of vintage analog gear, uh, modern analog gear, digital gear, and a cool vibey spot here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So check it all out. Uh, this has been episode 30 of the Modern Recordist, another edition of the not so 15 minute mix down. We hope that that. Uh, after a while of, of kind of not checking in on the recording space and, and getting into these topics that this was somewhat helpful and that maybe it shined a light on some things uh, that can be confusing and, and, and uh, hard to think about or tricky in uh, the recording and mixing process. Hopefully we uh, gave you some answers and, and you come away with more answers and uh, not just more questions. Uh, but uh, if, uh, if you have more questions, you can always reach out. Send emails. Send emails. Um, but uh, thanks for being listener. And, uh, yeah, this is The Modern Recordist. Stay subscribed. Get subscribed. We're doing a big push right now. It's the end of the year. It's the We're wrapping up the first six months of doing these shows. It's been a blast. And we want to set ourselves up as we go into 2016 to explode this show and 10x the listeners and the exposure and all that we've uh, all that we've done so far, and just uh, turn it up on what we've already done and, and created, and, and and all the fun and um, meaning that we're we're connecting with you guys, and uh, we've gotten some good feedback, and really appreciate that. And we just want to bring this show to more people. So if you if you get subscribed and stay subscribed, that helps us get the show propagated out to more people like you that would enjoy listening to it. Um, drop in on iTunes and give a rating and review as well. Good, honest ratings and reviews. Further help get exposure on iTunes and further help bring this show to people who are interested. And the more that we can do something like that, the more that we continue doing this show and bring on more guests and have more clout and get people on um, that you'd be interested from hearing from. So help us spread the word about this show so that we can continue to grow and, and, and make all those things happen and make 2016 really explode. If you have... A friend who you know would enjoy this show, or three friends who you know would enjoy this show, share it with them, and uh, let's just uh, let's get this out there. Let's uh, let's get the show out there, and we'll continue to bring on great guests and continue to uh, up the production value of this show and and um, and put on a great show for you. Thanks so much for listening. There's more for you next week. In the meantime. Go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world.